It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Tight end is a frequently mocked position for the Cincinnati Bengals in the 2023 NFL draft. Let's talk about what they need at the position, positional value, and then take a look at some individual prospects in a tight end special on Locked on Bengals. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, joined today by Joe Goodberry and Mike Santagata at Joe Goodberry at Mike underscore, no, at Bengals underscore Sands. Man, when I say your name, instead of just introducing you as Mike at Bengals underscore Sands Santagata, it gets really confusing. We're going to talk about tight ends today on Locked On Bengals, covering your team, the Cincinnati Bengals, every day on the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can be an everyday listener, join the Everyday Club, and join that first listen club. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can follow anywhere you get your podcasts to join those clubs more easily. Today's episode brought to you by Ultimate Football GM, and if you want to draft a tight end in the first round, this game is for you. Check it out at ultimate-gm.com or in the App Store and get a 100% free boost to your franchise using promo code LOCKEDON in all caps in the game guys we're going to dive into the tight end position today one of a few i think positions very frequently mocked to the bengals in the first round a position that we spent a lot of time talking about in this podcast a position that we've watched a lot of personally in our our time you look at our draft sheet very filled out for the tight end position before we talk about some of the individual prospects and uh, dalton kincaid of course visited the bengals this week after he got his medical clearance and we'll talk about dalton kincaid and how he may or may not fit with the cincinnati bengals let's talk about the position on the whole right you look around the nfl and there's george kittle and there's travis kelsey and then there's a huge gap there's some other really good tight ends in the nfl tj hawkinson when he's healthy you can talk about uh, Darren Waller as well. He's 
not managed to stay healthy very often lately. It's an interesting position. It's a position that has a ton of upside when you think about some of the most potent tight ends in history. And it's a position that carries a lot of developmental time at other times and other times just doesn't move the needle very much. So let's start there with positional value because we're talking about a first round, second round pick at this point for the Bengals is they try for probably the second straight year here to find a, find a spot in the draft to pick a tight end. And Joe, let's start with you. On principle, in a vacuum, I asked you this question, I think, in DMs the other day. Where are you on the value of a tight end for the Bengals offense? Yeah, so it's probably, I would put it in tiers, you know, a quarterback being a tier on its own, but then you've got tackle, wide receiver, right, in an offense and in the importance, probably maybe even center is the next one to bridge the gap between what I think would be interior offensive line, tight end, and running back. As It's not that they're least valuable or they don't impact the game enough. You can make cases for each one of those points. I think part of value is, factoring in the replacement cost or where you can find another player, whether that be in free agency where guards don't get paid as well as tackles, right? But guards definitely get paid more than tight ends and running backs do. So they would, I'd probably slot tight end and running back below those guys. And then in the draft, same thing with guards and tight end running back, your best bet to draft one in terms of value or finding a role in the dice in the, in the right time would probably be in between rounds two and four based on data and history that I've looked at. And I think what that means is it may, the replacement cost for those guys is inherently cheaper than any of the premium positions on offense and defense. Mike, when you think about this position as it pertains to the Bengals, how much can you move the needle? Say they hit a grand slam, maybe not a grand slam, because a grand slam is those two guys or Rob Gronkowski, like the truly game-changing tight ends. But say say they pick a tight end in the first round and he's who they hope they who they hope he is. Does that get them over the hump? Is that the missing piece? Could, could that be so valuable as to maybe historically, you know, the best value is in the second to fourth round. But if they do hit in the first round, how big of a deal is that in your opinion? Yeah. Uh, so for me, the tight end value is that tier of dudes like Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, etc., and then big drop off to the next group because like that's invaluable that I think you'd put up there just as valuable in some cases, maybe even a little more valuable than wide receiver. But once you get past those guys, now you're into these guys can start, they make the offense function a little bit. And I think it's a little bit harder to find those than it seems. You can see that with some of the deals that go around with tight end. Uh, but they're really just making the offense function because you're always going to have a tight end on the field in the NFL, whether it's 11 personnel, 12 personnel. Not many teams are running 20, and very few are running 10. The last guy who ran 10, it, uh, he took the one-way train ticket. It was Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so you always got a tight end on the field, and you need a guy that's functional because they are hard to find. They're hard to develop. I think it's hard to say that these guys are going to take them over the top, just one of these guys at least. But I don't I don't want to diminish the value either, because if they really do hit hard and you get a Dalton Schultz type or somebody of that nature where they're they're really good. They're just how much does the needle move? Probably less than you'd like for a round one pick. But at the same time, you're solidifying a spot that needs to be on the field and make the offense function without having to always take a roll of the dice. They've done a great job with these one year deals, but. 
what if one of them doesn't pan out? Because these one-year guys, they don't always pan out. They're getting low money for a reason. Maybe one, maybe, maybe it doesn't work. And now you've got a guy that makes the offense function. That's at least my opinion on the whole thing. Although I will say, I think Kincaid and Washington could add value. They're just more risky than yeah. uh, trying to get a guy that just gets the offense functioning. And we'll talk about the risks for, for some of these guys as well. Because to me – how many runs for the Bengals got blown up for minimal gain or for a loss because their tight ends just couldn't block last year? Something Countless. that we've talked about, right? We, you know, Joe, you've said this. We talked about it on the podcast before. It was a big issue. And so, you know, all this discussion about the running game and running back for the Bengals, a lot of that problem, maybe not a lot of that, but a, a not a significant amount of that problem is that their tight ends were not good enough blocking last year in the run game. I'm not talking about pass blocking. And then on the receiving side of things, Hayden Hurst was fine, but wasn't dynamic by most measures of dynamism. Wasn't great after the catch. Was good. Was always grinding out those yards in critical situations. He was clutch, but he wasn't explosive after the catch in the way that you know some of those top-tier tight ends are. And finding a guy that can do both of those teams to give you just a little bit more juice in the passing game, but also be more effective and more consistent in the running game so you're not getting blown up behind the line of scrimmage because maybe your offensive line did okay, but your tight end couldn't seal the backside, and that backside crashed down and, and just caught somebody before they could get through the line of scrimmage. That, keeping your offense on schedule, you talk about keeping the offense functional, Mike, is, is kind of hidden value, value that you don't often think about with tight ends in terms of keeping you in a second and five and how valuable is being in a second and five versus a second and eight or keeping you in a third and one instead of a third and eight in, in those situations where like maybe you have a second and five run and you lose three yards because of your tight end for, for whatever reason. And obviously it's never so simple, but that's just to speak to the hidden value of a tight end and where I think for the Bengals, you could get a year one impact at the same time as we're going to talk about with these guys. We're going to dive into them individually here for the rest of the show. When's the last time you saw a tight end come into the NFL and do all of these things? Well, right away, there's development time and there's so much intricacy to the position in terms of aligning all over the field, blocking responsibilities in different schemes, and then having to be a receiver on top of that. There's a reason those top guys are so good and so valuable. And there's a reason that they're so rare. We're going to talk about some of these individual prospects coming up next and what some of them offer and where the upside is, where the risk is. And it's going to be a whole show of talking tight ends. Just wanted to get some of that value and Bengals specific stuff out of the way from a philosophical perspective before we dive into some of these details. We're going to get into the prospects coming up next. Today's episode brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. We've talked about the game on this program plenty. And if you're the kind that's running these mock draft simulators to death in the offseason, you want to get through your own draft, you want to make your own dynasty, Ultimate Football GM is the game for you. You can manage your coaching staff, manage your free agency, manage your draft board, manage your scouting, hire the right scouts, set up your team the way you want to set it up with Ultimate Football GM, and you're going to get a 100% boost to your franchise right now using promo code LOCKEDON in all caps. You don't need to be online to play this game either, so if you're the type that's going to be flying a lot, you want to run a football simulator while you're flying, check the game out. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON in all caps for a 100% boost to your game. Ultimate-GM.com or look it up in the app stores. That's Ultimate-GM.com. Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. 
This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys, let's pull up our draft sheet here and talk through the prospects. Joe, I'm going to kick it over to you. I've been talking for a long time consecutively here, and I would like to stop doing that. And we're going to do that by letting you talk about the draft class overall here. This is, of course, the draft sheet that we're going to publish a little bit later on. We've been doing this project for, what, five years now? Yeah. Where we're taking film grades and, and baking in all sorts of factors to try to come up with risk profiles for these prospects. But let's talk about this class in general, right? Because it's been touted as a very strong class. And then you look at our grades in here and you look at our grades for the tight end class last year. And is it really that strong of a class, Joe? You know, it's funny because I think when we talked about this class originally, uh, we said there could be two or three guys that go in the first round. I think that gave the illusion that it's very strong. And those guys could be Michael Mayer, uh, Dalton Kincaid, and Luke Musgrave. Uh, but then we get all of the data and all the information. Everything gets turned about. And I also think this overall class as a whole isn't very strong. Maybe it's more indicative that three guys could go. Maybe even four guys in the top 40, four, five or so. Uh, probably means that the receiver class isn't great. And you could see teams taking tight ends instead. And I could definitely see that happening. Uh, But as a whole, I don't think there's a slam dunk tight end in this class still. You know, we've had years in in the past with O.J. Howard, T.J. Hawkinson, more recent years, uh, where those guys ended up going in the top 15 and and pretty much everyone felt really good about them. If the consensus top guy, and he still is right now, surprisingly, is Michael Mayer, I think there are still some reservations in his game in terms of how – special of an athlete is he how much does he take your passing offense to another level is he he that kind of guy as we talked about in the first segment the rare guys the, the super special tight ends are great you want them you'd love to find one or is he just going to end up in the pack with the other 20 starters in the nfl that are quality starters and if that's the case is that worth a top 25 or so pick and even up to 28 obviously to kind of the, this pertains to the Bengals, but that's the question everyone's going to have to answer. I think it's a good class overall. I think it drops off. There's really nobody in day three that I'd love to take a, a, a dart throw at, which really sours uh, the class for me in a lot of ways. I like to have those guys, of, you know, whenever you do the mock draft simulators, you go, well, I didn't get this guy in the fourth round. That's okay. I'll take a couple dart throws in the fifth, sixth, seventh round or whatever and, and feel good about my chances. I don't feel that way in this class. I do think we'll end up with eight or so starters. I just think there's a lot of incomplete profiles or guys that have eight out of 10 things or, or, or nine out of 10 in some cases. And it's like, yeah, but he's currently injured. Yeah, but he didn't test. Yeah, but he doesn't have the receiving production. Whatever the case may be, everyone seems to be missing something. Yeah, but he turns 25 this year. As that we too. see <laughs> a lot of red just indicating guys over the age of 23 in our age column here. A lot of older prospects in this class as we're still seeing some of the effects of COVID years later with the extra eligibility for some of these players. Mike, let's get your overall thoughts on the class here uh, as we look at things here and we compare grades, right? Like you have 
similar grades this year to last year for guys that didn't make it into the first round. Yeah, uh, some of that's just uh, I love Dulcich last year, man. <laughs> the, the way he moved as a receiver, I ended up with a higher grade on him than I did Kincaid, and I feel like people are more amped up on Kincaid as this receiving tight end, and he's a he's got better hands, and he's probably a better contested catch guy. But I just thought the way that Dulcich kind of like set things up, moved, and did all his routes was very wide receiver like, very deceptive, very uh, he can be crisp, he can be loose. He you know it just felt very much like a okay he could step in the league and be a receiving tight end. Dalton Kincaid, he's one speed man. He's full speed ahead and he's going to make his cut at full speed and it's kind of cool you get in and out of your break that fast but you know it you want tempo things you want to set things up a little bit better uh my thoughts overall on the class are just for everything i heard it was underwhelming everything i heard about this is gonna be one of the best tight end classes we've ever seen type stuff coming from like the talking heads and January-ish when I have no idea who these guys are and I just hear like Mel Kuyper say that and go oh that's awesome Bengals need a tight end and then I start watching I'm like that I mean like most these guys are I'd be fine with that pick I'd be fine with that nobody I'm jazzed up to really take so I think Mayer to me was the best just because he's balanced I think that's an okay first round pick but if you're going to talk about the tiers he is probably going to fall in that quality starter tier. If you try to build out like a, a boom bust and a middle ground, that middle ground is probably like 80% of his portfolio, maybe 75. And then you've got like 10, 15 for the boom. And then I think his bust chance is kind of low. I think he actually enters the league as a good receiver. Just the array of releases he has, and he's a smooth athlete. You mm-hmm. don't usually see tight ends release well like that. Um, coming into the NFL. That's one of the big things. It's like, well, you could jam rookie tight ends. Just, you know, just put a guy up over him, have him slap him in the chest. And until he figures out how to get that, get off of that, he's a little bit toast. And I think mayor is actually going to be able to thrive in those situations. Oh, and his, pretty, ten, his 10 yard split saved his RAS too. So that makes sense on the release. I was pretty impressed with his overall refinement in his game as well. Mm-hmm. And in all aspects of the game, right? Like he can do enough as a blocker where you can, project his nfl blocking ability he can run routes well enough he he's he knows how to get open which is one of those very subjective unquantifiable things but you can see him setting up his routes and getting open and i think that's also true of Dalton kincaid you, you talked about uh dulcich's route running earlier mike i think kincaid is a really good route runner as well i i think that he's a better route runner than mayor but i think that mayor does more than enough there given his athletic limitations. And that's really the the flaw for Mayer, right? Like if Mayer was the say TJ Hawkinson level athlete, he's probably a TJ Hawkinson level tight end. And and Hawkinson, for those of you that weren't following us a few years ago, was what like a top 10 prospect in mm-hmm. that class for us. Like he was very, very highly graded for us in the end because he was a complete package and mayor checks all of those boxes, the age box, the productivity box, the, uh, the, the, the skill, the skill box, except the athleticism just isn't where you want to be to project that ceiling comfortably. And so he can come in and, and be a very good tight end. And he's drawn like Jason Witten comparisons, I think. Is, is one I've seen. Joe, what's your comparison? I know you said you have comparisons ready for all these guys. I do. So Mayer, in a lot of ways, uh, his release, his breaks at the top of his route for not being a tremendous athlete, that was the thing with Witten. He was a 4.75 guy, not a great guy after the catch, not a tremendous athlete, but just really understood his own body 
positioning and what his athleticism offered. And when you can do that, when you have that, uh, I think you can be a really nuanced route runner. And I think Michael Mayer has that. But I also see the ball skills better than what Witten had tremendous hands. But, like, he was never jumping and leaping in the air, contested catch situation. I see more Mark Andrews-ish in that downfield. And I think he could potentially be that. Andrews also tested very similar to yeah. Mayer. Uh, so, like, I see the shades of those. And if you're saying it's a mix of those two guys, that's probably a Pro Bowl tight end, and you would take that. And that's why, if a team believes that's what he is, they're going to run the, to the podium and put that card in. The Mark Andrews point is really important to point out here because they test, they did, t- they tested incredibly similarly. I was doing a podcast with James, I think, and I was just randomly, I went to look up Mark Andrews RES when we were talking about the way Mayer tested. And it's, it's very close in a lot of ways. And nobody's looking at Mark Andrews and saying, yeah, you know, man, if only he was more athletic. Like, mm-hmm. if he was more athletic, obviously he would be a better player. Like, he'd be more dynamic. He would do more. But, like, he's not wanting for athleticism. And tested very similarly, similarly to Mayor. Mayor's young coming out for this class. There are two guys that, that really check that age box really hard. It's him and Darnell Washington couldn't be much different as prospects yeah right they, they i mean washington's a unicorn he's so different from all these guys let's dive into darnell washington a little bit here coming up next we still have a lot of prospects to talk about so might need to go a little bit faster through some of these guys but washington brings with him a conversation about a scheme change and uh, we talked with max toscano uh mike and i did a few weeks ago about some of these ideas and max wrote about it as well uh you can go find his article i retweeted uh, talking about the Bengals offense. So Darnell Washington could be kind of a portal into some of those ideas. We'll talk about that to finish the show here coming up next. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Mike, let's go Darnell Washington. Let's talk about him. He is a giant. I'm going to scroll over so the people watching on YouTube can see the measures, the measurables, six, six and a half. 264, 34 plus inch arms, 11 inch hands, and ran a 464. Doesn't doesn't play like he runs a 464 necessarily. Has the productivity you want. Tested like an elite athlete with elite size. Blocks great in space. We've talked about some of these things. Could facilitate a future move to 12 personnel, right? He could be the key, right? Tell me about it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the idea would be if you get Darnell Washington, you're probably going to have a receiving tight end with him, and that could be Irv Smith, who is more of a receiving tight end, smooth mover type. Uh, and the idea is when you get the 12 personnel, you're going to create a conflict for the defense because you're going to be able to run the heck out of the ball now, especially if you get under center. So does defense want to live in too high? Stop Jamar Chase, stop T. Higgins, stop the explosive plays like they want to do even when the Bengals were in gun and they were a top three rushing efficiency eh, defense still they didn't come out of too high they're staying single high during or they're staying too high during all of that you didn't mm-hmm. get them to come down to cover three and blow them up like the Bengals did in 2021 so the idea of moving to 12 and you've got Darnell Washington who I think is the best 
blocking tight end, not Rob Gronkowski in space that maybe I've ever seen every single time D one athletes are just getting put on their butts when he gets them in space. I, that part's insane to me. He's got a little work to do as an inline guy. And I think he does have high potential there, but uh, in space, like the screen game and all these other things where you just come up with the idea of let's pull him around. Let's just get this guy blocking a corner block and a safety in space, the overhang and take advantage of that. So you can create the conflict with the 12 personnel and trying to get the defense to come down and have an, an explosive running game off of that uh, run game, just better. You got more bodies to block and, and maybe he can develop into that receiver eventually because he has the athleticism. And the thing that was surprising about his testing wasn't really the 40. It was his, I think it was a short shuttle. He ended up really having a really good short shuttle. Mm-hmm. And that's something I don't think showed up on film, but maybe signifies he's just, you know, games moving a little fast or maybe, you know, he's a little, lum- he's just a little awkward still. He's 20, he was 21 the entire season. So it's perfectly normal to think that he could become a more fluid athlete over the next couple of years. And if he can, I mean, I think he's got the best potential in the class. It's just, it's a big swing and you, you could certainly whiff. He's also in an offense with Brock Bowers. So when you, when you talk about how he is used as a receiver, how he's used in general, I mean, you've got a Brock Bowers who's lining up in the slot for them quite a lot. He's their primary receiver in that offense is going to be the top tight end prospect. Most likely whenever he comes out, barring a a change in circumstance or something unforeseen happening. So there's that impacting the way that he's deployed the probably the way he's coached at Georgia, the way he developed at Georgia. I do think he has the ability to develop as a receiver. He's never going to be as snappy in and out of his breaks as Michael Mayer, Dalton Kincaid or Sam Laporta, or, you know, even Tucker craft, Luke Musgrave, but there is some natural ability. There as a receiver. Like it's not in terms of the way he catches a ball. It's in terms of the way he moves in terms of his athletic ability to go up and get the ball when he needs to, in terms of just his, size he's just long he's a big target who's not necessarily great outside his frame but has some ability outside his frame joe what do you think about darnell washington and and i guess like who who are the other guys that you're considering because i think we're all considering mayor at 28 if he's available washington despite being the second guy on our board here is essentially a tie for the next four guys it's darnell washington sam laporta dalton kincaid tucker craft there's a little bit of separation there when you talk about Tucker Craft, but it's those are all guys from 75.8 to 76.8 on our grading scale. Yeah, so I think Washington can develop more as a receiver. At the very least right now, I think you can hit him in the flats, let him run over guys or jump over guys, and you see defenders peeling themselves off the ground with any contact with Darnell Washington. He really is a beast out there. I think he could provide a lot of that after-the-catch spark you got with um, Hayden Hurst in a lot of ways, but I think he is – better vertically. He's better up the seam. I, and especially down in the red zone, I think he can be a definite weapon down there. I agree. I think outside of his frame for being a big guy, you know, although he had that highlight in the combine where he reached behind Odell Beckham almost, you know, one-hander. Um, I do think he struggles outside of his frame. And I think he doesn't get the explosiveness because he's not as sudden. You, if you have to make a micro adjustment and, and change your body direction and go, you know, he doesn't have that type of athleticism, or at least it doesn't appear that way. When you're that big, you often get that giant syndrome, like Ant-Man running through that final scene in Endgame. Looks like he's in slow motion, but he's actually covering a lot of ground in that scene. It's, it's, you get that with Darnell Washington. He does get yards after the catch. He does get upfield pretty quickly. His 40 was great. Uh, 
but he do, he looks like he's moving in slow motion in a lot of ways. He, there is a lot of upside there, but he just doesn't have the receiving production to make teams very comfortable. I think with a with a top twenty five ish pick, so I think he goes a little bit after that. Dalton Kincaid is the next guy we're probably going to talk about because I think he would have graded higher had he been I had he have tested because he didn't test. He had a back injury that he was medically cleared for. Had he have tested, I think he would have been like a 9.5 RAS kind of guy, right? I think he would have been an elite athlete. It would have put his grade into the tight end two range. I I mocked this up earlier. It would have been about a 78 and some change. Um, That would have made him tight end two. I think he's in the discussion for probably the most complete receiving tight end, the most dynamic receiving tight end. If you want today's NFL offenses where you're going to let him be a slot receiver, let him be a move guy, create mismatches, let him – because I think he's he's really underrated after the catch. Because one of the underrated aspects that I think of, like a Travis Kelsey, is how quickly you can turn from a receiver and snap to a runner, right? If you don't fight the ball like Darnell Washington, sometimes he struggles to turn and, and become that runner. But like a Kelsey and a Kincaid, I think they instant lightning turn, and they're, they're runners right after the catch. And I think yeah. that adds a lot of value. I think tight end is a very sleeper position when we talk about yak ability. Uh, for, you know, if you were to rank receiver, running back, tight end in terms of how you're going to create explosive yak plays, I would I would think everyone would put tight end below them. But I think it is a very underrated position uh, to create those. And I, I think Kincaid can be that guy and uh, probably the best natural ball skills hands catcher in this entire class at tight end. And that's reflected in his PFF drop rate, which if you're watching on YouTube, you saw is like 1.6%, which is by far the best in the class, really without peer, except for there's one other player that was in the blue, which is which is where you want to be. I guess a couple other. Davis Allen, Blake Whitehart, and Noah, Noah Gindorf. But none of those guys you're talking about with, with premium picks, right? So Dalton Kincaid, for me, I, uh, for anyone watching on YouTube, you can see the film grades here. Uh, I give him essentially the same film grade as Mayer. But the difference is that you're not asking him to block. And I, I think that there's something to work with there. I think he gets better as the year goes on. I think he's okay in space and, and you can live with him in space, but you watch his first couple games of the year, you watch him against Florida and it's like, this is a slot receiver. This is Mike Gusecki. He He's literally never blocking anyone in the NFL. So there, there are some flags there with Kincaid, right? Cause for me on tape, it's very easy to make an argument that you should say, oh yeah, pick Kincaid before Michael Mayer. He's going to do these things better than Mayer, be this, be more dynamic in these ways for your receiving game. But then we look at the profile here and you've got, he's two years older than Mayer. So if you're comparing them as prospects, you're comparing Michael Mayer's rookie year and second year in the NFL to the two years of Dalton Kincaid's college productivity, which is when he was 22 and 23. Mayor will be 22 and 23 as a rookie and second year player. You're talking about an injury history for Kincaid. You're talking about a player that's been great since high school in Mayor. So a, a much longer track record. And, and then there's like small size differences, but it's not like Mayor has great size either. He has okay size. So it's not like that's a huge difference there. That's a, a bit of a flag for both of them. And in general, like a bit of a small tight end class outside of Darnell Washington. As you look at some of the other guys here, Sam Laporta, Tucker Craft, both kind of in that slightly, I guess Tucker Craft's probably got average size. Sam Laporta certainly a little bit undersized as well. Let's talk about the rest of this class, though, because 
Well, actually, first let's do this. Kincaid or Mayer for you guys in the first round, based on, uh, based on I guess for for both of you, you have a higher tape grade, so I guess it's easy easy for you. But based on like upside, I mean, does it get a little bit challenging for you to make that distinction? It does not for me. I want the guy with the most complete profile. I think I can work with the above average athleticism of Mayer. I being young, and I think the the few guys that have outperformed average testing in a lot of ways historically are guys that are young coming into the league and you know 22 isn't like super young but uh, compared to the class mayor is going to be a a young rookie and i think he'll get better as he goes it's not it's easy for me because kincaid wasn't able to test and really prove what he is uh if you just mean upside i guess i guess i could see kincaid having the higher upside with like i did with washington too uh but I think that's a sneaky bust chance because Mike Kosicki to be is kind of a bust. And if you take Dalton Kincaid at 28 and he ends up Mike Kosicki, that's that's not a good pick. I'd rather have what Michael Mayer does uh, because I think he'll come into the league a little bit more refined and able to do everything. So that's – I think the bust chance on him is a little bit bigger. But maybe that boom chance, maybe that's a little bit bigger or at least what the boom is is going to be a larger boom. I, I think that the potential – he has the potential to be one of the game-changing types. I just – how high of a chance is that? And like you mentioned, the incomplete profile, maybe it's not even really that big. Yeah, it's, it's always hard when the guys have the incomplete profiles because every year we, we go through this and it's like, man, yeah, on tape, you can see it easy. Like, yeah, he he's, is a very natural receiver. Like, he's refined in the way that he does all these parts of his game as, as a route runner. He's got great hands. He's great after the catch. And then the profile is just they're, – they're just missing those check marks. Michael Mayer, also a captain, noteworthy, something the Bengals will like. Although, worth pointing out that Dalton Kincaid was on the leadership council at Utah, which was a 12-player expanded kind of captaincy thing. They also had captains – but then they also had this leadership council. So some leadership points for Dalton Kincaid. But I think where the Bengals are, I think there's a chance they draft Michael Mayer in the first round. I think they're probably playing in the second round. And I wonder which of these guys might make it to them in the second round. And this is a problem with the class a little bit if you're the Bengals, where last year we know they wanted to draft the tight end and it never quite worked out because guys went right before they were comfortable picking them. Is that going to be the case again this year where like Sam Laporta could be gone mid second round. Darnell Washington could be late first, early second. Dalton Kincaid could be the first tight end picked based on what we're seeing in mock drafts lately. Tucker Kraft, are they going to be comfortable pulling the trigger on the small school guy in, in the second round? Will he even be available in the second round? Luke Musgrave, plenty of questions there with the injuries where he's missed time. As you can see in our, and our sheet here really pushes his grade down below guys like Zach Coons, Brenton Strange, Brenton Strange, and, and Davis Allen because of the incomplete profile. Where's your favorite fit in this draft for the Bengals, Joe, from a from a value perspective and a scheme perspective? Yeah, so let's say I, I don't want to take a first-round tight end, right? Maybe somebody better at a premium position is available, and you want to go with the pass rusher or the corner or the offensive tackle because one's still there. I completely would get it. Uh I would say, as I made the case earlier, if the best value is in rounds two through four, I end up with a lot of simulation. You know, we do use my draft simulators, but I end up with a lot of simulations where Laporta's not there anymore. 
And I think that could happen. He's got a very strong profile, and especially when stacked up with these other guys. And I like Laporta a lot. I would be more than happy with him at 60. I think he could be a Dallas Clark. We never got to Darnell Washington uh, comparison. I think he's more of a Jermichael Finley mixed with like a Martellus Bennett type. I think Sam Laporta could be Dallas Clark, and I, I would take that for Joe Burrow. And think what about what about Kincaid? I think he the the one I keep coming to is a poor man's Kelsey, and I know Kelsey's like the dream. So I, that's why I think people may take him first at in this class because uh, I just natural receiver that can move and move at a different level than everyone else. Mm-hmm. I, I think he has that, uh, but I do think Luke Musgrave could be there at sixty, and he gets pushed down here, but that's because he didn't play this year. And the previous year he did play when he was twenty, you know, not even twenty one yet. He was pretty poor still. He played a lot, but he wasn't the developed player. He was, I mean, neither was Dalton Kincaid if we go back two years ago. So if we look at Luke Musgrave and he's six, six, and he's got the best, like off the line, vertical speed of this entire class, probably the best vertical tight end that would do a lot for your offense. You're trying to be covered too and scare these guys a little bit. Let this, let Luke Musgrave run down the field, make some, um, you know, dunking on safeties, make some over the rim catches and high point the ball. It's very similarly to what you probably thought you were getting for a lot of years with uh, Tyler Eifert. And I think that could be a value pick if he is still there. It seems like there's a chance for that uh, based on the, the the recent simulations and ESPN's machine that gives it like a, a 40% chance of him being available at 60. If not, things get dicey. Do you like Tucker Craft enough? Do you like Zach Koontz in the third round, Brenton Strange in the third round? I wouldn't take Davis Allen, even though he grades this high. You're not going to get a tight end one that runs a 4.86, even though he's got great hands. He's actually a really good blocker, uh, very good in contested situations. He just cannot run for anything, and that limits him to being a tight end two. You can't take a guy like that until like the fourth, fifth round at best. Uh, So I, I think it drops off. You can't? You cannot. <laughs> you Has can. anyone told the Bengals? <laughs> oh, strays. Uh, Luke Musgrave is really interesting, though. So you're comfortable with Musgrave in the second round, despite despite the the profile questions that that you mentioned. So let's say those top four guys are gone, and Tucker Craft. I could see that being the pick, but if he's gone as well, because I think these guys, the way it grades here, says they could all go in the second round. Those guys that are 75 and above, if you're watching on on YouTube. If it's left with Kuntz, Strange, Allen, Musgrave, Mallory, Schoonmaker, all these guys, right? That next chunk that's rounds three, four, maybe even five, I would like Luke Musgrave over them. Even though it doesn't suggest this, I think the tape, even in his two games before he got hurt this year, I thought they looked good. I thought he was ready to explode and break out, and it's a bit of a projection. Some of these guys are. All of these guys are going to miss one piece of something once you get past that first round, and a lot of them in the first round are missing it. So you got to be comfortable with okay, what would that, what would it have looked like had he had stayed healthy? Yeah, Mike, what about you? Where's your favorite value alignment for pick, player, all the factors? <laughs> if Tucker Craft is there in round three, that feels like a really three. good one to me. All right, not two. Well, well in two it's fine, <laughs> right? <laughs> but if it could happen in three, because look, the 70.3 average big board rank, I don't know, maybe something happens a little down the draft. Maybe that's far-fetched. Luke Musgrave round two, I do like that a lot. He only played two games last year, but he had 169 yards. Like he was on pace to be one of the top mm-hmm. whatever receiving tight ends. And I think he's actually okay as a blocker, a little bit surprising. He's very athletic. It's just – there's projection there and there's a bust chance and there's, you know, but that's why you take him in round two, pick 60. Mm-hmm. 
outside of the top 50, that's, I think, probably my favorite if Kraft in round three isn't an option. Um, I do like Brenton Strange if he is in round four. I think he moves pretty well. I actually, I liked him more than Koontz, which I, wasn't, which I wasn't sure I was going to going in, but I'm just kind of surprised Brenton Strange doesn't have a little bit more hype. Just He's he Dawson Knox. Yeah, he actually can block like this is also something I say when I watch Dawson Knox, but hey, he can block a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, especially when he gets on a small guy. He's not the type there are a few guys in this class. They get on a small guy and they're just kind of like struggling to sustain. And that to me is like, ooh, I'm not sure about blocking in your future. But he's actually bullying those guys. And then he has the weirdest stance though. He's hands on hip, like <laughs> legs real wide. I think that gets fixed. That'll help him. Uh hmm. but yeah, it. He was he was really he was interesting. I liked him a lot in round four. If I'm gonna throw one dart throw in day three, I think it's Brent Strange round four. What about Koontz, guys? Older, but the the ten RAS, the the hundred percentile athleticism, the what do you run a four five five mm-hmm. and six seven? Four. I think he moves well. There's obviously some roughness to his game at Old Dominion, and at 24, you don't necessarily love roughness but that's the last one let's talk about here where are you comfortable with Zach Koontz yeah so Koontz was from Penn State and they transferred uh so Brenton Strange beat him out and he looks he must have been same recruiter that recruited Mike Gusecki because that's what he looks like he's a long gazelle out there running around and I actually think he's a little bit quicker in and out of breaks than Gusecki is I think he's a better blocker right now coming out of Old Dominion than Gusecki is right now in the NFL uh, so I do think he could has the potential. Like if all these guys are gone, the the top few, the top four or five, he's got the best chance of being a tight end one, in my opinion, of, of developing into that and being that guy. He is a really good route runner, really good hands for Old Dominion. I put on the Virginia game, and he catches a lot of balls in that one. And at the end, the last drive, like they need a few third and fourth down conversions, and then he gets a one on one. Uh, in the red zone for the touchdown to tie the game. And he's got the safety lined up one-on-one. I mean, he just kills him on a, on just a flag route, but the safety's got no chance. The separation is instant. He jumps up, catches it very naturally, makes sure he gets both feet in. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he can he can play in the NFL. It looks like he's going to be a fine receiver. If there is another guy, though, where I'm throwing a dart after that, it's Will Mallory out of Miami. Will Mallory probably has the loosest hips out of all these guys, very similar to I talked about Kincaid, where he transitions to a runner. Mallory is lightning quick at that as well. But he also is probably the next best vertical guy after Musgrave, and I think you can split him out wide and run routes uh, against corners, and he did that. And the problem is he got hurt as well, and it's going to knock him down, and he's a little bit older. Uh, But I think Will Mallory is at least worth a fourth or fifth-round pick if you run it into an emergency scenario. 4-5-4 at 240 for Mallory. So a little bit on the smaller side there. Guys, we've talked about tight ends for 40 minutes. We could talk longer. We didn't get to Josh Wiley, Luke Schoonmaker, Payne Durham, some other guys that that maybe are worth a conversation. If if you talk to our guy, Jared, who's also watched every trench player in existence, seemingly he really likes Blake Whitehart from Wake Forest as well, who's projected to be a, a later day three guy. So Unfortunately, we're out of time here for tight ends. Hope that this was an interesting look at the tight end class. We talked mostly about some of the premium guys. Got a lot of uh, good conversation about some some good fits in different rounds. Hopefully it works out this year. It would be nice to, to have a tight end that you could see the Bengals try to develop, see if they would want to build 
an offense around one of these guys a little bit instead of just trying to fit these one-year guys. I mean, obviously, they're not going to be the, the first choice when you have T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase on your team. But, you know, have something that you're not just trying to fit a guy in for a year. That that would be fun to, to could, see what this coach wants to do. Could potentially be the number three option, though, in a year. So, I mean, that is the part about this pick, why it could be a bigger role than I think people are looking at. Yeah. Going to be very interesting to see how things work out. Positional value definitely plays a part into it as well. We're going to do some more of these roundtables, I think. I think they're fun. I think that there are a lot of prospects, obviously, to talk about. It takes some time to get through them all. So Mike and Joe, find them on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry for Joe, at Bengals underscore Sands for Mike. You'll get all of their respective work on this draft class. We're going to put the sheet out, too, relatively soon. TM soon tm thanks for listening to this episode of the lockdown bengals podcast we're back next week with another mock draft monday until then who day have a good one if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this offseason look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast join the draft dudes kyle krabs and joe marino as they go position by position through the nfl free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 nfl draft if you want to know who your favorite nfl team should be adding to its roster you need to check out locked on nfl scouting available on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.